This is our Suburb Trends report for September 2021 and we'll be looking at where prices are moving across the country, either up or down, and why they're moving. In this episode, we'll be discussing degrees of growth, why prices in some areas aren't as hot as elsewhere in the country. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. And I'm Kent, the data geek. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecaster report, which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au This month, we've asked Kent to look into why some regions have only grown marginally whilst others have boomed. Now, Kent, can you kick us off by briefly explaining how you've tackled this challenge? Yeah, so what I've done is I've, I've taken the statistical area three, I'll just say SA3 for now on, because that takes out a lot of the blips. Um, at a suburb level, we get all these blips when we're measuring. So I've taken the 12-month average for the SA3 for a number of regions. So I compared about... 350 regions across the country for houses and looked at looked at the ones that I expected to do much better. Now, if we kind of say the average of you know, the typical region has done well and truly above 15%, found a number of these areas where the inventory level, which is my key metric, has been quite reasonable. Uh, I would classify them as seller's markets where the trend has been in the right direction and usually when inventory levels falling month on month on month that downward slope in inventory in itself puts upwards pressure on price so a good level of in- inventory a good trend of inventory yet the prices for these 10 regions have, have all been well and truly below the average so this is really an anomaly episode I think it is. It's a whole episode on Anomaly because, and this is the funny thing, I guess, about data. And we do talk about this in various guises with various guests. Is that when you use data alone without understanding what else is going on in the marketplace, you could be um, running at risk of making bad decisions because we say, well, inventory is important to look at, you know, rental vacancy rates are important to look at, all your metrics that you talk about that point to the direction that a market uh, maybe taking and what you're actually saying that all these areas have the right indicators they've got tight supply low inventory low vacancy rates but that's a red herring they're not actually doing what you would expect them to do with all these indicators yeah and i um w- you know one of these in particular why this jumped at me is um wagga wagga i picked out all the indicators were there that wagga was going to do quite well this year mm. and it did it did quite average now it's done it's done okay on some fronts and some of these areas have done quite well for cash flow that's fine but what we're not we're not talking about cash flow today we're talking about capital gain and mm. and so Wagga's been a, I called it a starfish, you know. It just hasn't hasn't moved <laughs> hasn't moved a lot. That's for a diff, that's for a different podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, we we were discussing this earlier because Kent has. I'll do a little plug for your suburb trolls if you like. Kent, oh, has thank you. Started a new podcast with uh, Mike Wartlock, who's a very dry acerbic 
fellow. We've had him on the podcast. He's a um, quantity surveyor who loves data. So what a, you'd think it would be the most boring thing ever to listen to these two data geeks bang on about numbers. However, they are so risque in what they do and there's no holds barred and it's actually very funny. So I, it's my new favourite podcast. Oh, it's, thank you. I, I even like it better than this, guys. So no... <laughs> only because i get a laugh but uh, yes. anyway so we thought everyone told. needed that because it's yeah it is a bit of a dry game that we play in but uh, <laughs> we we wait and record on a friday after we've kind of filled up half our bellies with red wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so back to the suburb, at, uh, so the subject at hand here, of course, we're talking about starfish suburbs. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, um, okay, so it's fair to assume, right, that if data suggests demand is outstripping supply, then you would see prices rising or even surging. And these... These areas have been lagging. They're not been doing what they would be expected to do. So let's go through these. Tell us about the locations and, and let's look at why they're acting this way. Yeah, so there's a bit of a mixed bag. And, uh, you know, they range from, you know, the Adelaide Hills is uh, is there as well. So I've got a, I've got them in order. So what I might do is just um, do them in rank order. So the first one there is Liverpool. Now, Liverpool, that SA3 region's in the western suburbs of Sydney. Mm. And it's, um you know... It, the whole of Sydney's been booming, we know that. But that particular SA3's had about, for the housings, had about a 5.5% price change over the last 12 months based on my data. And it's really interesting because the, the inventory levels have been really low in the threes and they've trended down and down and down. So, you know, for me, with both of those variables, I would have picked it as a very, very strong growth market. So I just wonder... I just wonder, and and I don't have the answer here as to why, other than just anecdotally, has it got something to do with a surge in demand and interest a year ago as a result of the airport or the Atropolis, and maybe that maybe that's starting to fade. Oh, I love this. So you're basically saying that potentially that all those people a year ago forward, they basically paid for their growth in advance because of this infrastructure, which we, you know, all a bit cynical about infrastructure. Um, but the thing with Liverpool, right, Liverpool's currently one of those LGAs that is is under, you know, the most strict lockdown. So... I guess the whole country, if they've been listening to the news, and certainly New South Wales been been know about Liverpool now <laughs> because yeah. of COVID and because of lockdowns and because of the high amount of cases there. But we also understand better about the the socioeconomic makeup of the area as well. Now we understand that there's you know it's a lower income that more people actually have to travel. They can't work at home. They're not in white collar jobs. Um, is the the socioeconomic makeup of that area something to do with it potentially is that because is that um segment of society have they been more impacted by covid on an economic sense than in other areas would that be something to do with it i think it could be but uh, i think equally one of the things that i'm now quite doubt down about is some of the unemployment data figures are just so rubbery Mm. Um, you know, so you can't rely on the unemployment data anymore. I've, I've given up on it. Um, I try and make it work in models and it doesn't work in models, which tells me there could be something rubbery in the data. But, you know, mm. you've only got to work, what, a few hours and, you, you know, you're in. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a big issue. And if we measured Liverpool in hours worked or income change, I mean, I know people, we all know people whose income has been decimated. Yeah. 
mm. um, yeah. you know, year on year. Um, so, I, I, you know, there's every chance that people in Liverpool have been forced out of desperation to travel to places like Newcastle and knock on doors to mm. try and, you know, feed their family. So there's every chance that that could be a driver in Liverpool. Mm. But again, post-lockdown, we might learn something very different. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing is here, if you read the news, the property market's gone up 20 30% in the last year. It's gone ballistic. But then this SA3 within Sydney, what has it gone up 5%? And what, what's your number for Sydney, Ken? I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Mm. But I think you know, demand's one thing. And um, you know, unless the incomes in an area are rising over time, whether it's new people moving to the suburb that are on higher incomes, it's hard to get sustainable growth because people can't borrow more money and that's what pushes prices up. So if there is a big income hit out there, not, not income growth, but income falls, and you can easily see that in that people can't get bigger mortgages, basically. Um, your other thing out that way is obviously there's always a supply. Um, and while you're saying supply hasn't increased in this area, from a, uh, is that not including the, re the release of more land? Because there's more house and land packages coming onto the market. So they wouldn't come up as listings, would they, Ken? They would come up as sort of new land releases so that wouldn't be coming into your supply numbers is that right uh, if they're counted if they if they list as a house and they, they might be a virtual house um, <laughs> so it's you know often it's a rendered image of a house and it's packaged up so that is counted but I just while we were, while you were talking I quickly scanned across and greater Sydney at the moment um, it's tipped over a million obviously I think we're all familiar with the the, the typical sale median at the moment is uh, one, 1.075 and I've counted versus the same period last year and it's it's coming up with a 12%. So that's kind of close to what we've all been saying is that, you know, 13%. But, you know, some of the, the areas that have had much higher growth than that in terms of percentage, are, you know, Hobart's way up there. You know, we know that that's been a 19%. So it's still surging. And regional New South Wales. Now, grouping the whole of regional New South Wales as one market is is not what we like to do. But um, by, <laughs> you know, looking at that, and that's the way it's done, is the, the way it's all split up, uh, it's it's come in at 19% as well change. So there's been some massive changes. Um, but what I did is I looked at all the individual SA3 regions and then looked across the averages there. And that you know, and that was that was quite significant. The um, you know the average of those. So I'll quickly just do that again, just to be sure. And should and we segue here, Kent? I mean, you've spoken here about regional New South Wales, and yeah, we've highlighted a part of Sydney where the housing market is short supply, but it hasn't gone you know ballistic over the last twelve months compared to other areas. And one, it's an income issue, but I also think there's a massive supply issue there with new house and land packages as as an option rather than buying established but regional new south wales has gone nuts but why has wagga wagga as an example why has that not gone up when you know places like newcastle central coast you know wollongong um you know kiama um you know etc have all gone up dramatically i tried to make sense of this uh, and to answer your question the average was 13.9 percent for all those sa3 so i quickly did that had a quick look at that that was the mean average um, so, you know, give or take, the average has been around that 13, 14% mark for most. So anything below 10%, you've got to just, you know, scratch your head. Wagga, to answer your question about Wagga, when I had a look at Wagga, this was a few weeks back, um, there, w there were a lot of house and land, um, new, new stock out there as well. So I, I just, uh, I don't know if that's the reason for it because there didn't seem an abundance of it. 
Um, it's just, it, it was a clear anomaly that I couldn't make sense of. And, and I keep on trying to kind of pinch myself and say, is it, is it a calm before the storm? Is it, is it about to take off? I don't know. Ooh, I just, I honestly don't know. Them's dangerous words. Um, could it be that that's not an area where the sea and tree changes are moving to? Well, that, you know, that, that could make sense because if you, if you look at some of these locations that have surged where you, it's hand over heart, there is just no question, mm. um, uh, you know, th- there's something unique about them in terms of water or beaches um, you know, or, or a, a beautiful mountain range. So there's always something, whereas, uh, you know, as beautiful as Wagga is, um, yeah, and it's got some stunning views, but there's a lot of land there mm. and there's a lot of average stock, average affordable stock. Yeah. Um, so I think that first wave of tree changes are, are probably driven by something quite different. The next wave might be a different group. What I mean mm. by that is... I think the next wave of exodus may be the affordability exodus. It's I know mm. that's old school because that's been the way it's been for the last twenty or thirty years. But you know when people used to move up to to Brisbane or Queensland, they went up there with the hope of a job, and then often came back with their tail between their legs. Me being one of them, and and I, I, <laughs> I wonder. Oh no, I I went up there with a job. I was offered a job up there to Brisbane, and then the. Yeah, in Brisbane, and then I went up there, and uh, about a third of the company uh, was made redundant. Only after I was there for about nine months, um, brand new mortgage, my first mortgage, and I had to come back to Sydney for a job. I couldn't find a, I couldn't find a job at that time because mm. the, the, you know things weren't great back then. That was a long time ago. Um, so I came back to, to Sydney, and I've been in Sydney ever since. But you know that might change now. I know I'm darting around, but I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, my philosophy or theory here is that there's going to be an exit of people, exodus of people from city, um, from the big cities of specifically Sydney, because of affordability now. Because this big surge has created a whole new effect. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, I think the everyone's obviously going. Oh, I'll go an hour or two, so I'll go to north of Wollongong. I'll even go down near Wollongong train station. The amount of clients we're looking around that fig tree sort of pocket, uh, Manganton at the moment is. Is crazy compared to a couple of years ago and, and different parts of the central coast now as well like everyone wanted evoca um or yamina um you know it's along but now they're like willing to go a bit further up to Bado bay and mm. you know different pockets around kill care and so you're right people are shifting um and then people are actually looking at you know that two hour limit now you know they're saying well i will look at newcastle and i will look at say the blue mountains etc so it's but just if, when the, when the people go run out of time because Wagga Wagga, I'm looking at the map, it's five hours on a good run. Mm. Yeah, you know, more likely six or seven once you add in breaks. Um, it's not commutable, right? And, it's not commutable at all. So, and if it's um, if it's not commutable, you're not getting people moving there, um, keeping their city incomes. You know, unless they're completely self-employed and business owners or um, you know, etc. So, I think that's what's really driving the regional is that you know lifestyle shift. Uh, and Wagga Wagga is unfortunately not getting um, that like the, the beach locations, really. It is interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, it's still increasing. You know, it's still growing. It's just obviously not at the same rate because it doesn't have potentially, it doesn't have the proximity, the, the those sort of other lifestyle um, benefits. Mm. So, and I think that that's sort of in itself interesting 
as to wonder what's actually increasing that area if it hasn't actually had that influx. Interest rates. So, you know, mm. across the whole country, mortgages are getting bigger. Why, why are mortgages getting bigger? A, because prices are more expensive, so that's definitely part of it. But B, people are willing to take on a bigger mortgage, which is in turn pushing up prices because when they look at the repayments and the affordability of that repayment, they're looking at 2% interest rates. And so that extra 50, 100 doesn't seem like a much when they look at their monthly repayment. And obviously there's a you know a whole other story of whether they should do that, a quality asset. But ultimately, I think you'll mm. find that suburb. Intra- in- incomes maybe not be rising, but their, their desire to, to potentially push a little bit harder to buy those small number of properties on the market, which is what you're it saying. It comes back to inventory, doesn't it? So the, yeah. it's gone up because it's still gone up, not as much as everywhere else, but it's gone up because of inventory. Yeah, and and what I my what I'm trying to analyze now is how much of that price change could be devoted to the percentage change in listings. So so much of this mm. in my opinion is supply supply driven. Mm. So the demand for example, you know, may have stayed where it was um, and been fairly stable, but because listings volumes have dropped so much in so many markets, that's driven most of this price growth. And so, and then the first test, I think we covered it last show that, you know, obviously the Central Coast was tested a little bit because we had a bit of an uptick in listings, but inventory kept going down, prices kept going up. So mm. it was the first, it passed the test. Whereas I, I think some of these markets, I'm attributing most of their growth to that reduction in supply. Mm. Interesting. So what's the so, next one you want to hit us with, Ken? Yeah, we'll go uh, up to- um, Yeah, well, we're in Brizzy right now, um, Bald Hills, Everton Park. So this is an interesting one because um, you you go one suburb across, you know, or a couple of suburbs across, you're on the bay and the growth rates have been up in that, you know, 13%, you know, one or two suburbs across. But then you come back to places like, you know, Everton Park. um, They've been lagging. But, you know, again, it's one of those locations that, all the indicators were there a year ago where I would have said, hand over heart, this was going to be a really strong growth market. I don't know that pocket of Brizzy. So it's in the north, right? So we had lots of um, clients buying Brizzy over the last four or five years and they wouldn't buy as far as sort of Stafford, Efferton Park, Kedron. Um, they'd also buy a little bit closer, you know, places like, you know, Barden, Balmoral, all mm. around the river, Wollongabba, um, Graceville, um, and it was a bit cheaper there. It was around five, six hundred versus you know maybe paying seven, eight hundred. Um, and I think just the you know the, the people moving to those suburbs, their preference was to be a bit closer to the city. So you're seeing here that if you maybe go on SA three closer to the city, if you can, Kent, just a bit further south. I don't know if you yeah. bring those numbers up, but I think you'll find that there's a huge difference. You know that SA three, which is only a couple of kilometres further south. Um, it's probably gone up double that. I don't know. Oh. I'm just hoping, I'm just guessing now. <laughs> yeah, so Bris- Brisbane in the north. So if we go down just a couple of suburbs south yeah. of Ev- Evan Park, we land in, in Newmarket, for example. Yeah. <laughs> right? This has got so, and we're, sorry, I should just say we're in on video now. So anyone who feels like watching us on YouTube, it's, it could be a bit boring, I think. But some people <laughs> like going on YouTube watching podcasts. And Chris has got his fingers crossed that he's got his little prediction right here. And, and Ken, Ken he's, he's not looking at his camera. It's because he's looking at his screen. I'm looking he's at my, checking so, the data. Yeah, the, I've got the big screen there. So <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I won't pick up that computer there just in case I bust <laughs> something. Um, but, yeah, so Newmarket, the SA3 that it belongs to is Brisbane Inner North, SA3, um, and that's grown by 11%. So 
Absolutely. Whereas we go, you know, just a couple of suburbs north, we're up in, um, you know, the the next, where were we? We were at well, Stafford, Everton, Everton Park, Park you know, Everton Park. That's, yeah, that's down around 6%. But again, it's not cheap. I mean, it. it I was just looking at its median, you know, seven fifty at a suburb level. Everton Park has done very, very well. So if you yeah. pick out the suburbs, you mm. do get these these fluctuations. What I'm trying to do is smooth that out by using mm. the SA three. Um, so it is. It's interesting. I just wonder up there with with all the love and attention going on with Southeast Queensland with the Olympics, etc. Um, I, you know, I wonder how much of the demand might just shift around suburb to suburb to suburb in the pursuit of affordability. Let's talk about the Olympics and impact on property prices. I mean, uh, seriously. I mean, okay, two weeks. That's what it runs for. Most of the infrastructure is already built, supposedly. Two weeks, little economic boost for a city. Really and truly, what on earth how is that really going to translate to sustainable price growth? And what the hell? When is when are these Olympics again? They're in 20... Oh, 10 30, years' time, aren't they? 32 or something. You know, like, seriously, are people rushing up there? Oh, I'm going to buy in Brisbane because there's Olympics up there. I mean, is that the only reason prices go up? Because people spruik it? I, I think I think it's sugar-coated, but <laughs> it, it, the fundamentals for, for Brisbane and southeast Queensland were quite strong, irrespective for, for mine. So... The affordability factor off the charts by comparison to Sydney, Melbourne. And mm. if I were a first home buyer, I wouldn't want to be a first home buyer with 600K in my pocket in either Sydney or Melbourne, no. you know, buying a house. I would rather be in Brisbane because suddenly I've got, you know, within 15K, I've got a lot of choice and I've got some block sizes. Whereas if I go to Melbourne, I can still find something, you know, 15 20k out but I'm, yeah. I'm 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 buying something on 300 square meters yeah absolutely we've seen uh quite a lot of clients who have forced out of sydney um at the moment and um uh, they're not from they haven't got very strong ties in sydney mm. so you know one client literally yesterday they were had a place in the inner west near uh you know your patch veronica and they sold out and they were a little bit hesitant he's self-employed to couldn't really get the numbers to work and what they want the market was moving on late last year and um you know it just sort of all didn't work out for them and they early this year they tried again in sydney and they couldn't do it so they've literally just given up um and they bought a not far from where we're talking you know in that sort of inner north of brisbane they bought a big block and you know they can build a beautiful house on it you know we're talking still 1.52 million dollars but for that, what they would have got in Sydney, um, you know, is chalk and cheese, right? They couldn't get into any of the parts of Sydney they wanted to be in. But up there, they can get very close to the city in a dream house. And so that's the the temptation, right, to potentially move to Brisbane to get in a premium suburb and to get a, a beautiful house um, compared to what you can get in Sydney. And I think that that is always going to be an option that's going to start to to brew more and more as, as Sydney gets tougher and tougher. And that gap in Brisbane really grows it's not exponential but that the gap in terms of what you can buy at 5k 10k 15k gets very very different for brisbane mm. versus sydney and melbourne well the public transport isn't as good throughout brisbane is it and you know traffic is pretty crap like and while since i've been up there as well since i've been anywhere really but um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know but i remember being up there and and you know 
filming up there a number of times we did a number of episodes up there and really struggling in traffic things jesus this sucks you know not that we were trying to get public transport when we we're filming but it, it's you know that doesn't have the same sort of infrastructure but so the distance from the cbd is obviously more critical there mm. because of that accessibility but let's look there's another one on your list which is Sunnybank. yeah so this is a southern it, brisbane suburb about halfway between the cbd and logan <laughs> Yes. <laughs> What's going on there? Well, yes. it's sunny, but it's an area, right? It's a SA3. It's an SA3, hmm. but it's also a suburb. Um, yeah. So it does make it a little bit easier. So that's had a 7%, give or take, about a 7% change mm. in that in that particular area. Now, that, that you know, a house in Sunnybank at the moment is asking price just over 800K, <coughs> and that was about 740 a year ago. So there's been some modest growth at the suburb level, but again, that SA3. Seven percent, being well and truly below below par. Um, so you, you know the question will be, well, what's really driving it? There's not a not an abundance of housing approvals, building approvals. Um, you know that I would say is a root cause of it, driving up supply. So it's just it's again, I'd probably call this one a bit of an anomaly. But I mean, I guess a bit further south from that, Kent, you have got the house and land packages. You've got a lot of. Um, investors shifting their investments that they realise they purchased and shouldn't have purchased mm. um, in that lower south of Brisbane. Um, we've had quite a few clients come to us who have gone down that sort of positive cash flow, let's get three or four properties, um, and they're now seeing this as an opportunity to get out because they've realised that what they bought at the first time wasn't great on fundamentals. It hasn't grown for five, 10 years. Mm. Um, but now they're seeing a lot of growth in these areas because it's low interest rates um, and affordability from young first-time buyers. And so maybe it's just that a little bit further down, it's it's quite a lot cheaper. And maybe a lot of buyers are saying, well, if it's, you know, for, for a little bit further away, I can get a lot more for my money. It's, you can. Could, yeah. You can. I've just zoomed down to Logan Lee. So it's a few yeah. suburbs down and we've jumped down to 400K. That's Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think in those areas, it would be interesting to look at your numbers as well, Kent, and say, our listing's going up there, which mm. is counterproductive to a lot of the other con- uh, the country and the premium markets where listings are very tight and getting smaller every month. In that area, I wonder if you you can look at your data and see a listing's actually been going up. As no, no, list, listings have been fairly steady all year, just just nudging lower. That's it. That's that's at that the next SA three down, um, where I was looking at uh, Logan Lee Carbrook SA three. Um, so you know, by and large, and again, I've got it listed for our anomaly later to say there are some suburbs where we've seen some increases in in listings, but by and large. Um, they've just been steadily just falling, you know, month on month on month everywhere. Mm, interesting. And also in Brisbane, uh, the Springwood Kingston SE3, so that's in the city of Ipswich. Yes. Um, what's the story there? Same same problem? Very, very similar. Um, you know, there's a lot of I, – I, I see a lot of talk in the investor circles, you know, on the forums that mm. we're both, you know, the Facebook groups. and yeah. you know, the, <laughs> Have a bit people, of fun there. Yeah. And, <laughs> Good I luck saw with that. that. <laughs> just, I, I just watched because it's a great way to – you know, when people are talking about an area and there's a flurry of, of chatter mm. around a particular location, I like just my ears prick up. It's just purely so. Why are people focused on this location versus that? So it's I'm you know I'm just watching, just observing. Um, but but it yeah. just worries me when people are saying, like, 
You're basing you're you're buying the wrong belief, which is all about hotspotting. Yeah. And you are falling for the trap of hotspotting. And if you start playing that trap, you will find people willing to sell you hotspotting. And it's like as soon as you ask a question, where is a good place to invest? That is the wrong question because <laughs> you, you ask that to the wrong person, they will sell you to the days come, whatever the chickens come home or whatever the saying is, right? Um, and, you know, that's my worry with these forums, Kent, is you go on those and you type in there, hey, I've got a budget of 400000 where should I invest? Where and should bang. I go? And not these only people even work in, do this professionally, right? These are people who are going to oh, bought the wine for themselves and they've yeah. been sold the dream. And now they're selling other people the dream. Exactly. And then they create chatter about it. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you create this mini sort of uh, bubble of confirmation bias. And then someone else says, oh, yeah, I bought in that part of Ipswich too. Great yield. And all of a sudden, this person's making their decision mm. off a forum, mm. which has just been four or five people who have talked it up because they've been told the dream. So well, my, my Uber driver the other day was telling me a really good spot. Do you catch Ubers in Newcastle? No, no, that was a joke. That was an old Renee Ribkin <laughs> joke, remember? <laughs> Sorry. Um, you, you, well, I tried to modernise it because he said that when it's when the taxi driver's advising a stock, that's when when not to buy the get stock. Get out of it. <laughs> lockdown, can't you? Aren't you still there in Newcastle? We are still in lockdown, but it makes very difference to a nerd that sits inside his office with a lock outside the door. Um, a lock outside the door? So, my wife locks the door. She throws a bit of food underneath every so often. Um, <laughs> I so, believe it. And if you listen to Suburb Trolls, you'd believe it too. Um, now, yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 these forums, I find I have to I have to um, set myself boundaries when I'm in there. I don't go in very often and there's very few of them that I that I tinker in for a bit. And you, you got me on one of them. And every now and then I chuck a little hand grenade in. But it's more a question. It's like this, you know, somebody says, oh, I've heard there's really good good value, you know, a f- very good value in cans is one of them. And I've gone, well, how do you define value? <laughs> like from an investor's point of view, do you actually want to make money out of it or do you want to buy cheap? Because there's two very different questions to be asking. But anyway, let, we, we I digress. Think, I think the problem with this, it's an interesting conversation because I think investor mindset, right? And if you had unlimited capacity, like, for example, shares, you could buy 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 shares across the world, right? Because you could, while you might not be able to buy millions of dollars of each company, you could buy $1,000, right? And you could buy and play around with lots of different markets. You just can't do that with property, right? And no. so what you've got, limited capacity, and that limited capacity is going to get eaten up very quickly between mm-hmm. one, two, three, four properties. And so if you've got a million-dollar share portfolio, that's putting 250 grand into each different company, right? That, that's a big call. And it's the same thing as if you're buying property. That's the issue here is that if you had unlimited cash, yeah, maybe you can go and play in these markets and buy, sell, and if transaction costs weren't that big. But you've got little, small amount of capacity, and you're trying to make a long-term investment decision rather than what makes good value. Uh, and so you're mixing up sort of share-based sort of principles with big lumpy property investments. And so, anyway, rant over on this one. But, um, yeah, I do find it frustrating, Although, these for- forums, because a lot of this is it, it's people who aren't financial advisors, who aren't professionals advising people and people going there for their advice. Uh, and the the impact when you read some of these comments, you just think, this is dangerous. This is not good advice. And there's some buyers agents in there giving it, doing it too, and and it actually scares me because these are people that are actually sort of charging people and people yeah. are paying them. And I read some of the stuff they write. I was like, oh my god, you know, it's sort of 
naive. It's it, Some of them really just using way too much science and not enough art. You know, they just don't know what they're doing. And so they have to rely on the science of it or the, the structure, their models and whatever's. They just, you know, they don't, they can't put two and two together. But anyway, we, we can rant for hours on this one. But it's funny, I had a personal experience, right, because... You know, actually from this podcast, I have um, opened my eyes up to other investments outside property. Isn't that amazing? I'm doing a property podcast. So I'm a property ex- expert. You're permable. The, I'm a permable, <laughs> according to, who was that according to? Um and yeah, and we've interviewed so many interesting people uh, throughout the last three and a bit years now that I've learned so much about other types of investments, and so I've that's piqued my interest, and I've gone and explored further and learnt more and, exp- and and experimented a little bit because you can, like you were saying, Chris, with less money, I can tinker, right? And what I've realised in tinkering is that. Oh, my God, what a lot of effort and energy is taken. And also just the admin of it, of having lots of, you know, uh, share portfolios across lots of different companies, for instance, when the whole um, ETF thing is so much simpler. Yeah. (laughs) What's my time worth for starters? In the end, I folded up a lot of the stuff that I bought. I went, this is just stupid. What am I doing? You know, I don't have the time, the bandwidth, the understanding. I've actually gone way beyond my pay grade here, you know, and so then I've I've actually gone to Stuart Weems. I went back to Investopoly, reread it, you know, and started thinking through that process again, right? So it's sort of interesting that, that yes, you can, and I guess because you can um, invest in an index fund, you're actually buying the market but you, you're right you can't do that when you're buying property so you have to make a really really good call on what you buy where you buy firstly and then what you buy in that location and chasing these hot spots is is you know it's far too risky but it's been as i said i i've looked beyond property and it's there's there are syn- synergies and similarities but yes yeah, some distinct differences and i'm just going to throw one final point and the the rise of rent vesting is absolutely happening and rent vesting is ridiculously uh challenging if you go and buy a poor investment and so yes. the ultimate, a lot of people want to do rent vesting is they because they can't buy a house i got an email yesterday guy's given up buying a house on the beaches and mm. he said he's, now all of a sudden he's considering some queensland property positive thing that he's i'm going to buy a property through these guys i'm like book a call with me now because <laughs> i need to stop you um but what's happening is people can't afford a house and they're looking well what can i buy as an investment property yeah. and we, you know we're getting this daily at the moment and they're typing into google you know and then all of a sudden that's where all your digital <laughs> marketing spends is from all these spruikers and selling the dream positive cash i won't cost you anything etc and so mm. we're going to really see a problem where investor lending is definitely going to get an uptick because first-time buyers are going to come first-time investors and first-time investors are going to go get sold the dream. And so absolutely, um, it's going to be a dangerous couple of years where investors are going to get burned a lot because, um, you know, they're frustrated. Um, you know, yeah. you can't buy a house. Why don't you buy an investment property? Won't cost you anything. And so, um, yeah, watch this space. So let's go back to our list, Ken South. Yeah, so Cairns we're continuing South. in Queensland. We'll finish up Queensland. We've got Cairns and Toowoomba to look at. So what's the story? What is the deal with Cairns? <laughs> because as I said on, in one of those forums, it's like Cairns is a good value. But Cairns South is actually quite a long way from the coast, isn't it? Well, I think the Cairns SA3 starts pretty close. A lot of these kind of nip 
up rather close to the I'm just typing it in now as we speak into it so Can City I think Can City actually belongs to Can South SA3 right. so it does it does come in close um, but again it's kind of spreads out and you've got some you know you don't have to go that far out to suddenly get access to a lot of land mm. you see so you know I just I just went a couple of suburbs down to Edmonton um and just doing Chris's favourite thing, which is the satellite image. Mm. And it's like, whoa, there's just lots of green, lots of land there. So, and again, and then the next thing I like to look at is the, the building approvals. And, you know, I think, you know, areas like this, well, this is going to be quite interesting. I don't have to change topic, but I was chatting to somebody who's rather senior in the, um, in the building industry in Queensland and the concerns they have at the moment for material supply costs Mm. and the implication, the impact this is going to have on builders and developers looking to actually pull the pin on contracts because they're losing money. So I wonder if there's going to be some phoenixing, you know, the old phoenix trick going on. But what a concern right now for it to happen right now when we're so dependent on this industry for for this to happen and even to a point i won't mention the steel frame manufacturer but you know that 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 the the accusation that they're gouging the heck because the timber costs have gone up so much Mm. they're looking at the steel frame option but the steel frame option's gone up exponentially as well it's It's, it's not just timber right it's cement it's everything you know even color bond um you know, it's hard to get access to colour bond at the moment, right? We're trying to replace some gutters. He's like, mate, good luck with that. Um, and so, yeah, if you've got problems, um, the building industry has got huge amount of demand um, last year. That's what Home Builder did. It, it solved its problem. It supported the construction industry. Um, but it's not just Australia. This is a global thing, right? And I think people, a lot of people in Australia think, oh, Aussie house prices is a, is a unique problem in the world no it's not like you can go to london you can go to new york you can go to lots of countries uh, canada's got a huge problem new zealand um housing affordability and these sort of building problems um are a huge problem so uh, i think you're right there kent uh, you're going to see that slow down supply because builders are like well we're gonna have to charge an extra 30 40 percent and that kicks the affordability can right it does, and it's so you know, huh. if we are in a bit of an inflated bubble, and I'll use the word bubble, things like this make it a lot worse. Well, and this is interesting. Also, I read an article in the Herald yesterday just about there's a report that local governments association I think has actually made a submission to the New South Wales government to say that look, you know, you think that releasing um, more supply into the market is going to solve the affordability issue? It's it's now they they said that there's evidence to say that it doesn't. Now I don't know what that evidence is, and I'd like to get a hold of the report, I guess, to find out what that evidence is. But um, but clearly, if if uh, building costs are going to go up because material costs are going up, then yes, supply isn't certainly not going to solve the affordability issue, is it? No. Um, and and I think the local governments are, are complaining too because they're saying that it's not development con- or their their development controls that is slowing down supply. There's there's more at hand. It's quite simplistic to say that it's just local co- governments that are the bottleneck. Um, so there's there's a lot going on. But back to it's just just not understanding constraints. And you know if you mm. if you study operations research, if you did a few units of ops research in university. You would understand linear programming. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. To, to 
I love it. Now they make it a lesson for us, Ken. This is yeah. good. <laughs> I mean, I, I think cans can sort of link in with Liverpool here, I think. You know, while it's not the lockdowns, I do think lockdowns, we've had two trips booked to Cairns. Still haven't been there. Um, with everything booked twice. <laughs> Sorry, I should have uh, laughed. <laughs> two, two flights, you know, all these different places booked. It was a nightmare twice having to call them all up and say, hey, sorry, can't come, and they had to refund it all. And um, and that, yeah, is absolutely it would have had an amazing year, I think, from a tourism point of view. Mm. Aussies, you know, holiday at home, the all the advertising Tourism Australia would have spent. Um, but, yeah, I think they've just really been smashed. I really feel for, you know, especially the – Cairns because it is a tourism town, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I keep on going back to the um, to the airline or the um, the pilot strike, uh, and the impact that had on Cairns was phenomenal, mm. huge. Well, let's face it, no one drives there, do they? It's a bloody long way by car. Yeah, <laughs> a bloody what have we long got way. Left Cairns. Well, I mean- Toowoomba. Let's hit Toowoomba because. Yeah. Um, you know, again, in regional Queensland, I remember, I mean, yeah, well, I guess a couple of questions. Is the quarantine centre going to be good for property property prices or not? But um, how many people bought there because an airport was being built a few years back? You know, and I remember I remember listening to a Tim Lawless presentation. He came to a REBA conference and gave a presentation. I remember him talking about Toowoomba and how it was basically going to go, it was the next place to go off because of this airport. <laughs> and I remember thinking, really? I don't know. And doesn't appear to have happened actually which is sort of interesting but i reckon a lot of people would have bought in because of that and then they're sort of a bit like logan or the people bought into logan thinking that was the next the growth corridor and actually sitting on prices that haven't done anything mm. is that or, or liverpool right the aerotropolis <laughs> yeah another one mm. does my completely dangerous to talk about this I man Tom, but does that service a lot of the central queensland farmers like you know, is that sort of the town where they, a lot of them go and do their... So if the farming agricultural part of central Queensland is doing really well, Toowoomba will be. And obviously, we've had droughts. We've had all these other issues. I wonder if that's also really affecting Toowoomba, you know. Um, it's been a few hard years there. Well, I think the call-out, though, is that it's it's these aren't doing poorly. They just haven't done the 13%-plus growth rate. Right. So, you know, I think it's important to say that, you know, Rounding up 7%, that's better than a poke in the eye. It's mm. just given the, the data and how how it looked a year ago, how it looks now, it, sh- it, it by all accounts, it, it could have and should have done a bit better. Okay. I mean, if you think thinking it's piggybacking off Brisbane, I think that's the, t- the regional areas that are doing really well, right? The things piggybacking off Melbourne, Sydney, you know, Mornington, Geelong, Central Coast, Wollongong. In Brisbane, um, we've Sunny absolutely... Coast? Uh, at sunny coast yeah that mm. was a very hot last year but this year it seems to be and obviously byron was byron's a lot of another story but the mm. gold coast we have got multiple clients thinking about moving there people from sydney uh, mm. people from brisbane moving down to, to gold coast um because of a it's got the airport if you want to get to sydney melbourne but b it's got your beautiful beaches you've got your hinterland um and you can easily get to Brisbane if you need to for work, um, etc. So, you know, it's these ones piggybacking, and I just don't think Toowoomba is going to piggyback off sort of Brisbane, right? Because mm. um, it, it's a long way. It's I mean, a long way out, but yeah. got, but boy, it's got some afford. You know, in terms of prices, it's got some low price. I'll, I'll avoid word using that word affordable. I just say there's some. If you look at the price segmentation mm. in most of the suburbs, there's so much in abundance in that 200 to 400 k range. Yeah, which is hard to even build a house for that price, right? Yeah. Especially we just spoke about the the cost of um, materials, right? And mm. so 
200 grand for a brand new house is possible. Um, good luck making it a, a beautiful house. Um, mm. It's tight. I mean, you know, doing it right now, we spent more than that and I'm nowhere near not even building the house. Um, Those big sheds are 200 grand. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. And so you got you can buy something for that, including the land. Um, it's yeah, amazing. It's, so, yeah. yeah, like you look at Newtown because I think every city's got a Newtown, right? So there is a, there is a Newtown up there as well and... Yeah, you got an eighty odd percent of of the sales there are below four hundred k. It's quite phenomenal. Uh, Very different Newcastle's to the new got town. A new town, though, has it? No, but uh, thanks for mentioning Newcastle. But Newcastle is in lockdown. <laughs> there's a new town in Geelong, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And there there's is a new so town in Sydney. Okay, let's let's have it over to Perth, Gosnells, twenty kilometres southwest of the CBD, which is a long way. It's a long way, particularly mm. for Perth. And southwest means a long way from the coast as well, right? Yes. So, so that's that's one of your sort of the lower inventory, not doing what you would expect. Has the whole of Perth been doing what we would expect? I think it. I think it's done rather well. <clears throat> I think it's done really well. So I'll just I'm just going to zoom in on it. Greater Perth, Greater Perth um, has grown by about nine percent. Now it's mm-hmm. been in the doldrums. Yeah. For a long, long time, as we know, um, in terms of inventory levels, it's still going down. It's you know uh, about four point one nine months now, maybe a bit higher. Um, so I, yeah, well, it's it's pretty good. It's I would consider it a bit of a seller's market. What's some but of the no. um, if you don't if you got your numbers there, can some of the SA threes in Perth? What are some of the big numbers? I mean, obviously you've got your Subiaco sort of. You know, inner west part. Uh, they've got the beaches part around the sort of Cottesloe or a bit further north, um, the Scarboroughs and things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, some of these areas must be, you know, double that, you know, 15, 20% in the last year from, from, from what I've been reading. Yeah, some of the inner ones have done rather well, but it's, it's a checkerboard. It really is a mixed bag over there. Um, so I'll just open up a bit of a heat map for WA. Just going to look, have a look at now. So where are we going? Perth Inner. Do you want to look at the Perth Inner region? Or oh, maybe the beaches, like the places like Cottesloe, like Sa- Man- uh, Mandurah or Southwest. What are we? So this is all around the sort of inner west, I guess, because it's um, the beaches on the west of um, of Perth. I mean, there's no COVID there, right? So. From looking at some friends who live over there, they're living the good life. Um, lots of photos on Facebook, um, you know, showing the world the way it should be done, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, I've got a good friend who's an architect over there, running an architect business. And um, yeah, I mean, they're doing a lot of building over there, a lot of money going through the economy. It's like, um, and it's been tough for them talking to them and saying, like, there's just not been the drive behind the city, but it seems like it's back, you know. and. Um, I think low rates are encouraging people to do a lot of upgrading over there and finally get into the market. And so I think that was the final tipping point. Um, had a tough 10 years though, right? I think Perth doubled in three years or something, 2005 to 2008, and then it's done nothing since. Um, well, I'll, uh, I like to pick on Frio. I think a lot of people know Fremantle. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, you know, I think it's a good benchmark. And if you went back a year ago, you had about 7.6 months of inventory. So, you know, it was a, it was a buyer's market. Mm. Um, whereas today that's uh, below four months. Wow. So, you know, and trending and trending quite well. 
So yeah, and it, yeah, it's around eight hundred thousand for a typical house in Fremantle, and that was about seven forty a year ago. So yeah, at a suburb level, that's done rather well. If that's a if that's a benchmark kind of beachy suburb, I don't know if it's your. So it's a well, it is, but it's a little bit further out. Cottesloe. Isn't it? Um, well, you would go to Cottesloe. Cottesloe. Oh boy, that's expensive. Mm, it is. Yeah, you're like you're not going to get much change from one point eight million bucks if you wanted to Bargain. buy a house there. You're from Sydney. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a one bedroom thing. unit. That's a one bedroom unit in Newtown, isn't it? I mean, a good friend of mine, the uh, sister of that architect, um, you know, they've bought a place in Sydney, but they were very close to moving back to Perth, for example. Um, and where would they want to live if they're going to live in Perth, Cottesloe, mm. right? Um, somewhere near there. And for them, they're like, well, what I'm going to get in Sydney versus what I'm going to get over there. And so it's another thing where Brisbane, for example, um, you know, people are going to move to. I think Perth is going to be an option for people who haven't got those strong family ties or maybe they've grown up there and they've gone to the city yeah. for the big job and now they're like, look, do we really really want this life? Kids are coming. Why don't we go back to our family? Or maybe we're living overseas. A lot of people in Perth move. UK. The yeah. UK people love it. Yeah. Um, so migration, if... if I'm a big fan of Perth long term. I think, you know, it's, it's got past that small town. It's it's a bigger city. Um, and I think the migration will, will be an option for a lot of people. The time zone's a lot more friendly over that side as well, right, um, when you're coming from other places in the world. So there's another another part of Perth that's on your list there is Canning, which is 10K southeast of the CBD. Mm. Um, what is... I mean, I guess what what are these areas? Where are these areas lagging? Is it because they're not actually? It's not southeast. It's still southwest, isn't it? Or southeast? Um, southeast, which is which is the sort of southwest over there. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The other yeah. one's southeast as well. Both Gosnells and <laughs> yeah. I've got my western yeah. east. So I'm all confused. Sunsets, um, not sunrise. <laughs> no. So I guess as you go further away from the coast, you know, that's a bit. A, like, why would you want it that you don't go there to be far away from the coast? Do you? Is that is that really the problem <laughs> or just endless land supply i mean what is the reason you think the gosnells and uh, canning aren't necessarily doing that well yeah compared? i'd probably say you've still got competition as in mm. you've still got available stock so you know if if i i think you'll always go and pick out the spots that are, are relatively better better options in terms of proximity to the beach to the water to the city so it's a true competition still hmm yeah, I do think it is the, the supply. I mean, there are sort of escarpment things and hills that sort of push the city north and south rather than sort of further far, uh, west or east. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you look in the south of, of Perth and, and to the north, there is house and land packages for decades. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same as western Sydney, same as uh, far eastern suburbs of Melbourne and western suburbs of Melbourne and to the north of Melbourne, there's actually enormous amount of land that they're building house and land packages on. And so... Yeah. Just really use that satellite, people. I think it's um, the best tool in the property toolkit, if you ask me. Mm. <laughs> That's what now, I was looking at just now. <laughs> the, so we'll f- wrap up your list with, you know, at the, on a high note, really, the Adelaide Hills. And I don't understand why this hasn't, you know, gone gangbusters. Oh. It's it's close to the city. It's pretty. It's I got love fabulous it. I'm wine. Always, I'm always browsing on the, you know, for yeah. listings around there. It's, it's what like, the hell? Like, I'd be, you know, I'd be tempted. I'd maybe. be moving there. I mean, I, it's uh, <laughs> what a beautiful spot. I saw this on the mm. list yet this morning, Ken, or whatever you said through yesterday, and I went, Adelaide Hills, this, this is an anomaly, right? Like, what a beautiful place to live. Um, if I was living in Adelaide, work from home movement, 
why don't we just move a little bit far away from the city, you know, yeah. get a bit of block of land around the nature, have a koala in our backyard. Um, that's, you <laughs> know, and wineries. Winery. You know, You've got wineries. wineries. Um, zip, zip down to the beach. Um, on a corner. I would argue yeah. probably because it's just so big and it's so spread out that, you know, you'll have pockets of demand that will influence prices either way. So it's just not one of those tight-knit, small geographies. It's spread. It's got high values. It's got large, small values. It's got everything. I mean, what you might find here is um, what's that? Uh, and you've got your towers on your graphs. Can't not, it's not a great... Price uh, price segmentation. Price segmentation. That's the word. <laughs> um, we should, should be better it's at It's a this, lumpy one. The, I imagine the top end of Adelaide Hills has probably gone up a lot. The, the bottom end's probably really struggled. Because people aren't going to leave the city change for that, and then the middle is probably nothing that special about it. So it's just well, that st- tip, Sterling. Yeah. I think that Sterling's a great example. You know, it's one of those premium suburbs, and you've got you know you've got a, a, a market that exists obviously above that one point two mark. That's a you know it's close to twenty percent of everything, and then the bulkier sales still there are around that eight hundred to one mil. But then you go one suburb away. And you've got a stack of house and land. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's, the, so it's that's dragging down. The yeah. It's yeah. dragging it down. Interesting. So in the context, though, of how the rest of the country is growing, I mean, could we argue that these sort of underperformers are in fact going backwards? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that um, because, they, uh, you know, again, if they're, if, they're, well, if they're surrounded by house and land, um, then it's a very, very different market, obviously. And, you know, what we just picked on was obviously the Adelaide Hills, bringing it back. Um, But if you're in an area that's fairly built up and where there's constrained supply and this is happening, then I think the answer would be yes. It's underperforming, significantly underperforming if it's not surrounded by house and land. Mm, Interesting. Well, this has been a very interesting episode. I've loved dig- digging into the underperformers and why and looking at and, – and the idea that some of them may have already had their growth a little bit prematurely perhaps and so that might be why that they've lagged and others are yet to have their growth and some don't – won't have any growth perhaps. So it's uh, – as usual, fascinating to sort of lift the covers and look at some of the some of the detail under the data, and so we can make better decisions. Really, I mean, fundamentally, that's why we do this, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm. hopefully, I haven't been too ranty today. I feel like I've had a few rants, so hopefully, listeners have enjoyed those. <laughs> Obviously, had my coffee oh. this morning, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, another great episode. Can't look forward to the next one next month. Uh, yeah, what have we what? got in store? <laughs> Well, we, we promised, I think, we promised last show that I double down on some of the um, uh, uh, where people are doing renovations and how that could potentially, you know, where there's some high spots. So maybe what I could do is uh, keep that promise for next next show and look at uh, a handful of suburbs that have had lots and lots of DAs and where that's having a, where that's having a flow and impact on prices at a suburb level. Yeah, right. and it's not just the DAs, right? It's a lot of the cosmetic renos. Obviously, it's hard to factor those into your research, but DAs Bunning, is definitely a Bunnings data. trade, you know, the most we successful look at- Bunnings stores perhaps? <laughs> well, uh, where I am at the moment, um, I, I'm following the planning alerts emails and every day I'm getting another list of two or three or four that are within... 1500 meters of me it's just going crazy and there's cranes i can see cranes doing the swimming pools and concrete everywhere Mm. 
So there's a lot of knockdown rebuild happening. Yeah, big DAs as well, right? The big builds, that's what I've been noticing. Things that are uh, wouldn't have happened in suburbs, but now price rises in the suburb. There's a new price level. The justification of spending that 500 a million makes sense because the market would you're not going to overcapitalize or the risk of overcapitalizing is less. Um, but uh, going through Renault myself, it's very easy to overcapitalize. So, um, yeah, cross your fingers with that one. Cool. Great, Kent. Chat to you uh, next okay. month, mate. See you. Thanks, ya. Kent. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo. Yeah.